Chapter Two of The Ninth Man by Mary Heaton Vorse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two. For three days he let us stew under the mask of clemency and of giving us time to learn the edict for which disobedience was the pain of death. Mazzaleone let suspense have its way with us. His heralds cried the edict out through the town through each little street went the command that on the third day that being a friday all of us noble and simple men and women young and old should walk before the loggia and for this no explanation was given the bare command stripped down to its bone and nothing more was the edict of Egidio mazzaleone and it seemed to us that it was as menacing and as lean as himself behind it we felt that terror was lurking some said he would butcher us one by one others said that our leaders and great men only would be slaughtered before our eyes and again there were those with higher imaginations who hinted at torture and burnings that it meant no good to us none of us doubted meantime not a house was thrown down nor occupied by the soldiers of mazzaleone all was left as it was found the men-at-arms were as stern and yet as even as mazzaleone himself but there they were the iron witnesses of our defeat we who three times had been taken and three times had shaken off the yoke of pisa free men and had more than once entered victorious through the gates of other cities not counting the fortresses the castelli and entrenched strongholds fiefs of the empire that we had made our own one after another forcing their nobles to become citizens of our own commune now while mazzaleone's men patrolled us we went about our business the pothouses were overrun and there was much quiet talking among the nobles and although we came and went unmolested the people were not allowed to congregate in the streets or the piazza he kept moving those who would stop to prattle, did a hideo mazzaleone, and while we moved about, we pondered upon the meaning of his edict, until the height of each one of us felt an uncomfortable itching, as though it already felt the prick of the sharpened sword. The third day we had ceased to prattle so much. Each man stayed more at home. The women wept, and the men sat with their heads in their hands a cold sort of fear plucked at the entrails of us for it is one thing to go to your death smoking hot your sword in your hand and by chance have another man's sword thrust into you before you can at him and another to march forth in the cold morning to have your throat slit in the morning of the day we started forth early i and a few of the other young scribes of the city had been sent for by mazzaleone and stood in the loggia to count the townsmen and tell their names for what purpose i did not then know it was a strange procession that came before our eyes as odd a procession as ever any town witnessed for there were our chief men and our nobles with their heads up there were their ladies and there were the poor of the town here a man who had missed a right hand for theft and there an old woman hobbling on crutches and children were there as i looked i saw that spread like a morning veil over the crowd were those dressed in black and i saw that it was our nobles who had been moved to do this 
Mazzaleone sat in the loggia, his captains about him, and he saw it and smiled. This spectacle, I heard him say, is more diverting and instructive than I thought. And the captain behind him, to whom he spoke, answered, Small honor it seems to have taken such a town. Indeed, as one looked down upon it, it seemed that there were more old hags and women and children and pottering old men than aught else, very different indeed from the time when all such were within doors, and our burghers and stout men-at-arms were out with their clanking swords by their sides. So San Moglio walked along three abreast through a solid line of Mazzaleone's men. In the beginning, as they came close, I was told to count upon the ninth, and as the ninth came, small black ballots were given them, which they were told to keep. All came docilely. Pride made them come so, in the case of our black-robed nobles, cold fear some of our burghers. Only old Count Gervasa de Verti came protesting. It was he whom it had taken the commune three years to smoke out of his perch in Santa Croce, and during that time he sold his right in his castello for four thousand florins, and later signed papers which were in my master's possession, and which I saw with my own eyes, promising that he would not in any wise help his faithful vassals who fought for him three long years, while he had sold and resold them. When no sign was left of Santa Croce, and his vassals came to live in the commonwealth, always he gave himself great airs at the resistance which he, solitary, had made against the town. With the bombast of his race he refused to go forth in the morning, whereupon the men of his own household trussed him up like an old turkey, and brought him up squealing and gobbling. He and a young Count Guido Masafini were all that made a disturbance that day. And for Guido it was a greater tragedy. He was a boy of sixteen, and his two brothers and his father had been killed in the fray, and when they led him forth he made resistance and blubbered with rage, and fought with the guards that held him. At the noise of him, Mazzaleone lifted his hand, and said in his low voice that had the sound of a flicker of flame in it always, Stop the noise for me. So they cut his throat, and the blood spouted up like that of a stuck pig, and they threw his body aside in the gutter. At that, though the house of Mazzafini was not beloved in the city, a murmur went through the crowd, the growl of a checked tiger, and at the same moment the short swords of Mazzaleone's men leaped forth from the scabbards, and I could see them shining like the white hills above San Moglio when the sunlight strikes them. At the glancing forth of the light of steel, the murmur of our people died like distant thunder. All was tranquil again, and the march went on as before, three by three, and each ninth man got his sinister ballad of black ebony. Then the heralds in the loggia gave tongue. Thus saith the most clement of conquerors, Mazzaleone. San Moglio shall go free for thirty days' time, while he takes his much-needed rest among those who so warmly received him. Thirty days past, he will depart and take no other toll of blood than this. Each ninth man shall designate secretly whom he wishes put to death in the public place. Thus shall San Moglio judge San Moglio. There was silence. 
the simple and noble of the town stood as though death had struck them all the heralds cried again and again cried into the silence of our amazement then again and still we moved not we spoke not but a sigh swept us like wind in the olives and there was no sound but the heralds accompanied by men-at-arms making their way out to the four quarters of san moglio then suddenly a grey-haired hag who to see better had climbed the wrought-iron fountain near the loggia raised her lean arms above her head and laughed and laughed and still laughed revenge was in her laugh and relief and she waved her clenched fists in air and laughed her hideous relief and her hideous revenge and then a very pandemonium of joy broke from that silent crowd strangers embraced the spell of fear was broken so they shouted and howled together except certain of our greatest who slunk away ashamed while in their hearts they echoed the words i heard mazzaleone speak gently to one of his captains the love of life ugolino is a foul thing End of chapter two